One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and we are back with another main show of Four Center discussing news and listener questions and Jedi Temple Challenge. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun Jedi talk today, Ken. A lot of Jedi talk, a lot of things going on, and we also would love to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Force Center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And of course, a little bit later, our Force Center recommends will happen. That's an audiobook we think you should try out on us. A couple quick housekeeping notes uh, for those, uh, I know sometimes... We don't want to assume you're always listening to every episode uh, in a row <laughs> that we release. <laughs> uh, we have uh, recently decided to break up the main show. So uh, usually Tuesdays are news. Right now looking at Jedi Temple 
challenge and your questions. And then on Thursday, we go into the deep dive, the main topic. And that's uh, kind of where we're going right now. Uh, generally, I'd say some positive feedback from that. And we appreciate that. So just updating you there. And then uh, over the weekend, there was a, a weird thing where we were informed by a very uh, helpful group of our listeners on our, our Discord that uh, we had two Spotify feeds <laughs> and they were completely individual and you could subscribe to each of them. And uh, we don't know either. Uh, so Always far, two there are. <laughs> always two. And so, well, one was destroyed, but which one, the master or the apprentice, we don't know. Uh, finally, uh, uh, Anchors IT, which is uh, generally very helpful, very supportive, very responsive, uh, did finally uh, get back to me this weekend and we killed one. But they um, they were like, you know, don't kill the one that's tied to your analytics. And I said, which one's tied to our analytics? <laughs> uh, they didn't really Please. know, but <laughs> we took a good educated guess. Uh, so uh, all that to say, if you listen on Spotify, you notice a change, you lost your subscription or something like that. That's why. Maybe go resubscribe. Or uh, you can always reach out uh, directly to us through the various forms of uh, communication possible that we'll talk about at the end of the show. Housekeeping out of the way, Joseph. Uh, we always like to do our own little personal housekeeping with Star Wars or life adventures. Uh, you, sir, uh, explored the Forest of Endor a little bit this weekend. <laughs> I know. What else has been going on? Yeah, I mean, that was honestly, I was looking back, that was kind of my main uh, Star Wars adventure. It's been a really busy uh, week for me with lots of different other, you know, uh, career and life stuff and all that. Um, and uh, didn't have much time to Star Wars outside of the various prep we're doing for the podcast. But we went to this place, uh, my wife and I, in uh, just outside of Los Angeles uh, proper. Uh, in uh, It's called Descanso Gardens. It's got a great history. You can just Google it and have fun with the Wikipedia page. Um, but it is basically just a large curated woodland place. It's uh, got a Japanese garden. It's got uh, a whole rose patch. It's got uh, this lilac uh, area. Um and then these these fun areas where they try to create different um, environments, and one of them is the the ancient forest. Uh, yeah. What Los Angeles kind of would have looked like if no one had interfered with it in any way, uh, and it, it happens to look like Endor. It looks a lot like Endor. Yeah, uh, for me as a Star Wars Twin Peaks fan, it looks like a total combination of Star Wars and Twin Peaks. And I am expecting the Ewoks to come out of the Black Lodge Hell dimension, and it's great. Uh, yeah, so it, it's uh, it's always fun to go there. Just a Descanso in general, um, they are requiring masks uh, and there's plenty of room to uh, physically, uh, socially and really emotionally distant uh, <laughs> if you want. Uh, so it's it's a really it, I have not been getting out of the actual uh, apartment very much. Mm, yeah. Uh, so it was really great to just get out and go somewhere that I thought is this feels totally safe. And then in terms of the Star Wars adventure of it, like there's always the Ewoks. But, you know. Mm. We, we've been talking a lot on the various podcasts, Ken, about the importance of the intuitive in the natural world versus the mechanical world. And it's a theme I've always really enjoyed. But, uh, you know, I just grew up and was raised a city kid. You know, I never really went camping much at all. Um, you know, I'm not a roughing it kind of guy that just hasn't been part of my life. But yeah. it was it's really fun to go to places like Descanso that are like, yeah, it's a part of civilization. Uh, there are bears lurking out there, but they're not going to run out and get me, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. It's curated nature, but it's so big and vast, it still is nature, and you mm -hmm. can get to that place of connection. And we just, we sat on a bench um, 
by this weird twisty old tree that has limbs that shoot way off in, into the sky and then like swoop right down to the ground in this like really weird and bizarre way. And every time I see that tree, I think of you because it's like, yeah, that's that's one Ken would ride like a speeder bike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's it's so great because it is a way for me to uh, put my physical body and my emotions where my where my mouth is when I talk about that nature theme to just really take all those uh, deep breaths and just kind of try to feel feel one with more of the organic part of the world. I oh, mean, that's beautiful stuff. And in, the, in these times, it's good to take those little small moments, uh, small joys, small victories, I keep saying, but just going out and connecting with uh, connecting with Mother Earth as it will. And that's a great spot. I've only been there for their light events, which are, they do during the holiday seasons. And uh, I've never seen it during the day. So I want to experience it. <laughs> it's real different. It's, it's yeah. really different during the day. And uh, yeah. There's that one. I think it's the I think it's the lilacs area uh, mm-hmm. in the light show where they have all of these just uh, straight up now vertical lights. And I, I always refer to it as the lightsaber farm. That's where they grow the lightsabers. <laughs> Absolutely. is in, in another expanded universe legends world. This is probably <laughs> the lightsabers. Just go pick one from uh, the flower bed. That's right. Uh, that's right. So what were you what were your life or Star Wars adventures this week? Uh, you know, I did a little bit of uh, Battlefront 2 streaming on Tuesday. Going to uh, do it again uh, at the time of this episode release, probably tonight. Uh, that's That's been fun. Every once in a while, you know, you get to go back and reconnect uh, to that game that you and I love uh, dearly and have a lot of fun doing that. Um, you know, some more, it's four center stuff, but, uh, you know, finally got a copy of Queen's Peril. Uh, not, not complaining. Just, I, I actually chose to not have the immediate mail it to me in the morning option. <laughs> Amazon. Uh, so it finally showed up a Saturday night. And uh, at the time of this recording, I'm, I'm only 40 pages in and we're going to talk about this next week, Joseph, but I'm already just pulled in. I, I really just love everything about it. And, and, it, and it's fun to, even though you and I have, have developed a, a bit of a, a, a side career and in, in personal branding around discussing Star Wars. It's fun to just have those moments where you just, you forget all that. I'm not making notes right now. I'll go back and do that. I'm just pulled into the story of, of, of Padme becoming queen. And it's, uh, it's great as a Star Wars fan to feel that. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's a literal page turner. Like I mm. do just really want to know what happens next. Uh, and the other thing was a life lesson, but it ties to Star Wars. Uh, when Yoda says the greatest teacher failure is, that applies to the kitchen as well. <laughs> um, one of the, uh, the, you know, I guess you could say weird benefits of the pandemic lockdown type of situation is maybe you're forced to do things you had previously not done or been afraid to do or just put off. For me, some of that was even technical on podcasts or live streaming. Uh, but also for me, it was getting into the, the kitchen. And, and I've always wanted to say it. I knew how to cook a little bit, but now I, I've actually experienced a little bit more. But uh, uh, Grace and I cooked a uh, one of those blue apron stuff, not a sponsor of the show, but we, we had a free trial. So we're getting <laughs> some stuff. And it's been a lot of fun. I got to say, it's, open, it's opened up just some skill sets in the kitchen for me. And uh, I'll say that's a benefit. Uh, Blue Apron, you're welcome to come and give us a sponsorship. Um, but anyways, um, <laughs> there was some garlic in there. And 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 the directions called for uh, two cloves of, of garlic. And I learned a valuable lesson between what a bulb of garlic is and what a, what a clove <laughs> of garlic is. Was, uh, was it edible? Uh, was it just real, real garlicky? Or was it you physically cannot eat this? Fortunately, uh, uh, my partner Grace and I absolutely love garlic. <laughs> so <laughs> we experienced a large amount of it in our pasta. Uh, and, uh, you know, some extra sips of water and it was okay. But uh, there was that moment where she, 
she was cooking part of the meal and 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 she's I'm probably the one in the house that that does cook more than her but she looked over to me and she's like what did you just do I said I put in a one of the cloves. they want two cloves of garlic so I put the clove she's like that's a bulb so you put an entire bulb so I didn't put two bulbs of garlic in but <laughs> one bulb which is four times more the clove amount they wanted so Anyways, it reminded me of Yoda. Hey, you just got to learn. Failure's the greatest teacher. And I'll, I'll next time, I will never I will never do that again. Yeah, and who knows how many bulbs are in his root leaf stew. Maybe he would have really liked it. Oh, yeah, he would have <laughs> probably would have spiced it up. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Star Wars is in the kitchen. Star Wars is everywhere. Uh that is what uh, my adventures were. And from there, Joseph, we're going to dive into the news. Almost almost formed a jingle there. And we we well, we'll do an update one. We I I I will say prep this news a little bit earlier in the weekend because I was going to work really hard on Friday and Saturday and then enjoy a slower Sunday, which I ended up doing. So, nice. Way to go. Fun. Yeah, uh, you got to do that every now and then. Um, so we're going to add one story here on the fly that uh, kind of uh, broke after I prepared the news. And that is the Dr. Afra, uh, an audiobook original series, uh, re- re- uh, revealed its voice cast, or at least part of it. I don't know. I'm sure there's, uh, it's a full cast, but I'm sure there's a little little more voices and characters will pop up. But here is uh, the main cast, Joseph. This also kind of confirms some of the characters we uh, figured might be there and maybe didn't know would be there. So Afra is going to be portrayed by Emily Wu Zeller. Nice. Uh, a great casting choice there. Jonathan Davis, not the front man to corn, um, is, as Boba Fett. Uh, Sean Patrick Hopkins as Luke Skywalker. Sean Kennan as Triple Zero. Nicole Lewis as St. Astaros. Carl Monda as Maz Kanata. That was mm. one that I wasn't expecting. Ewan Morton as the Emperor. Catherine uh, Tabor, we know her mostly as Padme, but she'll be Leia Organa. And Mark Thompson, and she has, uh, for the record, done uh, Leia's voice before. And Mark Thompson, the great uh, narrator uh, known to a lot of audiobook fans, will be Darth Vader. So mm. that is what we got. Uh, of course, Sarah Kuhn is the author of this. Uh, describes Afra as, uh, uh, as an immediate chaos. And I uh, love this idea of the character. So uh, what do you think about this casting here, Joseph? Yeah, I, I, this is great because I am finding out about it right now. I saw this news uh, blurb this morning, but I honestly didn't have time to click on it. So this is new information to me, which, wow, there's a lot of exciting stuff. Thrilled about yeah. Maz Kanata. I love, you know, that this character was introduced in the sequel trilogy with the, hey, she's been around for a long time. And then all of the different efforts to weave her into uh, into the story, which is great. I love it. Um, so that's really cool. Uh, Boba Fett, great, great. I like, I know it's controversial, but I want more Boba Fett. Uh, and then, man, just, I, I'm, I'm, of course, thrilled uh, to spend quality time with Luke, Leia, uh, Emperor Vader, but the voice casting of it is fascinating. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm curious if that is uh, coming from a place of hey, let's give uh, more people a chance at these iconic characters or a place of uh, budget. Mm. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, yeah, it, it, yeah. It's, yeah it's, it's, it's just fascinating. I mean, Mark Thompson, he, he's amazing, and I think he could probably, yeah. you know, voice all of these characters. Uh, Catherine Tabor, that's awesome, mm. right, to just have yeah. that direct connection between 
uh, Padme and Leia and to just have her continue to be involved in the Star Wars family. But I think when lots of us have, you know, all of these um, various ideas of different animated shows that uh, or or one offs that Mark Hamill could do as Luke Skywalker, I think there's a real question of like, how much does Mark Hamill want to do that? Uh, is he no. priced out of something like this? And I don't know the answers to those questions. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, don't know. And, and, and I know you and I try not to get bogged down, but you can't help but kind of think of that kind of stuff there. I, I, I you know, it's like, um, I don't, I don't know you and Morton, but you, you, th- you think, wow, what would we do it and everything. And, um, what's, what's great is these, these actors are so talented in doing this that I, I don't think it'll be felt, you know, uh, you know, Mark Hamill's Luke would be awesome, but, uh, we don't know. Sean Patrick Hopkins, uh, probably, really uh, helps with the essence, brings the essence. And I, I think once we're into the story, I think we'll be o- o- okay. Um, but um, I'm really intrigued by Maz Kanata because to what you said, uh, Joseph, like you just immediately set up, not only has she been around a while, she's got a watering hole that everyone's going to come into. <laughs> yeah, please, please go to the castle. Uh, <laughs> and I have not read these comics yet. Uh, I've read Afra in the Vader comics. I have not read her line. Uh, which I mean, I want to do before we we review this audio. So I, I got to get on that. Yeah, I got like forty issues there, but hey, that's a good Saturday afternoon. <laughs> that's <it>. right. <laughs> a lot of splash pages in comic books these days. I, uh, I did want to uh, to follow up because I think you've got the right spirit of it. I, I got lost in the uh, behind the scenes of it. Uh, I am happy to hear lots of different people voice these iconic characters because you know I want these characters to go on and have uh, lots of different. Uh, People bring the essence of them to life. So I'm not mm. complaining that there aren't more well-known names. Uh, and in fact, in a way, it's more exciting because it means, well, we're going to get to, we're not going to be held back from spending time with characters because there's, you know, a, a, an obsession with staying with specific voices. Yeah, well said. Yeah, no. And, and um, I, don't, I don't think you're wrong for thinking and uh, getting, uh, we always go behind the scenes because there's always some fun stories there. So, or, or uh, news headlines for certain websites. But uh <laughs> <laughs> I think it's okay. I'm just excited to, in, in closing this story. Uh, we both agree that not only is, is Afra just a, just a cool kind of uh, popular character, I think she's an important character in a lot of different ways of, of the different uh, uh, things she brings to the universe, uh, different levels of representation, and that's important. Even the author of this series, uh, Sarah Coon, talking about how she, you know, I was a big Star Wars fan growing up, but I didn't see myself in the series as a little Asian-American girl who loved Star Wars, and, and Afra's a uh, part of a, a new generation that gets to experience things like that. And we always talk about that's the importance of it. And that's also just the fun of it to expand a uh, star Wars across many different uh, uh, geographic regions, uh, demographics, even the marketing demographics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's all that's good. right. So inclusive anyway. is good. Yeah, that's the word. And we are going from there to, uh, EA video games, uh, EA plans to quote, double down on star Wars. Uh, we bring this up because yeah, you know, EA, uh, longstanding company. I've played a lot of their games that I absolutely love star Wars games included, but yeah, sometimes they take some hits and CEO Andrew Wilson said, we have a tremendous relationship with Disney. We have a tremendous relationship with uh, Lucas, uh, we have, uh, I'm assuming he means Lucas from there. We have a longstanding relationship with them going all the way back to Star Wars, the old Republic that we launched in 2011. He goes on to say, we've had success in first person shooters and RPGs and action adventure in MMORPGs in mobile. 
And I believe we're going to have success with squadrons as well. We're going to double down on that partnership. Disney continues to be very, very committed to the IP and to the canon. So that's a headline, Joseph. Uh, your thoughts on that? Again, take, comparing this to some some of the uh, talks amongst fans, uh, hardcore video game fans of just who are Star Wars fans, just saying, "Hey, they wish someone else had the license." Quite frankly, is what they say a lot. So, what do you think about all of this so far? Yeah, I mean, it, it is take it with a grain of salt because it's a CEO talking, and what is the CEO going to come out and say? Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, we kind of half ass Star Wars. Like, obviously, he's gonna. He's going to say uh, good things. But I, I, I have a long tenure as a video game player, but I am not, you know, invested uh, to the level that, you know, a lot of people are today. So, you know, take my opinions with a grain of salt. I've played a lot of great EA James Bond games in particular. I'm a big Bond mm -hmm. fan, and that's always come out in the video games. You know, especially the 90s to 2000s, I played just about every uh, Bond video game. And some of them are great, some of them not so much. Yeah. Um, I, my general feeling is uh, it's I think that we are past the time in the video game industry where a an uh, IP like Star Wars, people would pump out a just OK game and go, oh, well, it'll sell on the IP. I think they know that they are under a much bigger microscope than they were years and years ago when they when they could get away with that. Um, mm. So it makes sense to me to say. Hey, EA's doing their best job. They might make a mistake, and and this is an industry that people can be really critical of. But I tend to believe, like, yeah, we absolutely want to make the very best games we can, and we want to make a lot of them. I think, yeah, it's a great point that uh, you're going to have to deliver, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, I'm thinking a lot of classic Star Wars games, beloved Star Wars games. You know, <laughs> I look at him even then, but he definitely now go, yeah, you know, what was, I guess, B for effort. Um, but it doesn't mean that they're not effective and they're not uh, well received. But you have to you have to dig in now. It's, it's a bigger industry. Battlefront uh, one and two, the modern versions, of course, sold uh, over 35 million plus copies. Fallen Order, 10 million so far. Uh, they did correct Battlefront 2. We, we bring that up because you and I are fans. And yeah, we enjoyed the game early on, but I wasn't really doing the loot box stuff. But they, they right away, of course, corrected. And, and I think that sometimes does get overlooked. Right, Joseph? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like that that narrative got so powerful so quick. Like, yeah. I bought the game, uh, you know, just like I think a week after it came out. And if I hadn't ever read about the loot boxes, I would have never even been aware of it. It's never been my experience of the game. You know, yeah. my experience yeah. of the game has been, uh, I, it, it offers all sorts of opportunities to just immerse yourself in different parts of star Wars in different, mm -hmm. uh, you know, modes of fighting and really spend a bunch of time with specific characters. You like wander around specific worlds you like. And I think for me, I just have a, 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 an acceptance that it's, very rare that a video game is to me like 10 out of 10 perfect and with battlefront there'd be like hey this mechanic gets on my nerves hey what do you know they fixed it hey they yeah. changed a mechanic i like <laughs> and now it gets on my nerves like it, it, no video game especially something as large as star wars is ever going to be 10 for 10 perfect for me much less for everybody but battlefront has been like a consistent 9 out of 10 for my experience of just disappearing into star wars yeah, you know, I was gonna. The company still takes heed, and 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 that's 
Hey, that's uh, it's part of being a company. You're going to take some heat. But I, I had this question, you know, I'll ask it, but you know, has it been that bad for us casual Star Wars gamers? You kind of just answered it there. Not, and, and look, to say casual, like you, you've been in your life not a casual video game player. You've been in, you know, you and I have talked about, you know, we do love playing games. <laughs> we had almost too much. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's a weird definition of of who's a, quote, gamer. You know, I, I, I use that carefully not to uh in accidentally gatekeep uh there but um you know i i consider myself my standards for the star wars games are both high but also low in terms of just get me in the world make it look beautiful and let me pew 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 i'm happy so i that's why sometimes i don't dive deeper into these articles that go into critiquing ea or some of those kind of threads or anything just because i'm I I'm happy. And I, I guess that counts as, as a win in some, in some, in some way. Right. <laughs> Maybe. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, I will defer to people who are really professionals and, you know, or, or spend a ton of time in really modern gaming and really know all of the lingo and, you know, know, know how to best comment on the forums uh, yeah. on, you know, t- in order to get the developers to listen to them and, and change a stat by five points. And like, there's people who are, much deeper in than me but for me with the years of gaming experience i have not only is it immersive where you get to be in the world you get to really feel like you're being the character but there's the mechanics generally work and they are layered and complex enough that if you spend a bunch of time playing obi-wan kenobi in heroes versus villains you can strategize and you can learn his strengths and weaknesses and there's enough subtlety and flow to it to give it life and i think that's the part for me of like that's what I need. You know, if it is just, eh, it's kind of a quick running gun rail shooter and you, you mash some buttons and there's not a lot of flexibility or nuance to it, then like, yeah, hey, I'm fine. But I think Battlefront did even better than that. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I, I'm going to agree. Squadrons is next. Uh, high expectations for that. We've been diving into that. A lot of things uh, I love. The only thing I keep going back to is the first person. And and guess what? That's not, in the end, probably not going to be a huge problem for me once I get into this game. Any thoughts on games beyond that? This question comes up a lot, Joseph. Sometimes it's fun. Uh, you know, hey, what kind of weird Star Wars game you want to create in your head? Uh, or, but, you know, there's some realistic thoughts of what is the future of Star Wars gaming, VR, all that stuff comes into play. You and I didn't experience the Vader uh, Immortal One at all. I've never mm-hmm. even touched it. Uh, and I know people uh, who absolutely love that. So I don't know. Any, any thoughts on what, what might be beyond uh, what we know now in Star Wars games? Yeah, I, I think that where my mind goes is with this uh, CEO saying, we want to double down, we want to do more Star Wars. And with them putting out squadrons, which is like, hey, you like flying? This is all about flying and nothing else. And it's shorter and it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. My hope is that they're going to embrace the variety of Star Wars and put out some shorter and cheaper games like battlefront is great but it is kind of trying to be everything yeah and it it, it can be harder to support that um i would still love uh some open-ended uh more red dead redemption that you and i have talked Mm -hmm. about you know very much uh mandalorian in tone and just being sent on missions that you can pick and choose that would be great uh because i'm probably a little bit more of an older school gamer uh, and because I love James Bond, like give me a give me a Cassian Andor uh, spy game oh, yeah. that's total first person shooter. Ooh, yeah, I like that a little Golden Eye first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, Golden, you know, eye uh, eye processor. Yeah, 
There you go. Uh, yeah, I agree. And, you know, I'm talking, I really do want a very serious pod racing game. That, that's, I mean, fun. But, like, I, I keep going back to that, especially now that they're, they're re-releasing uh, the first uh, Racer 1. You can actually get a hard copy of it soon if you want that. Uh, I, you know, I have Racer's Revenge that I got for, like, 10 bucks off the PS uh, Store. I love that. I hope there's a renewed interest in pod racing as a game. Give me, give me the full on managing a pod racing team. But uh, you know, I, I always come up with these weird ones. I'd love to have a Sim City kind of version of running Bright Tree Village as a chief. Give me all that stuff. But I think it's probably not going to be the case. But yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. that's a good yeah. one. I, I really want uh, the the Lando Business Challenge. Just a video game based off that conversation he has with Han in the hallways of Cloud yeah. City. <laughs> about his uh, labor disputes and supply problems and managing those. That's what I want. That's exactly. I've always talked about that Commodore 64 game I played that was the NASA one where you not just learned to launch your shuttle to go up to the space station. You had to hire the right scientists and their salaries were a factor. I, I was 10 playing that. So, so <laughs> give me Lando managing Cloud City. Uh, that'd be great. Uh, so we'll keep you guys updated. Of course, Squadrons comes out uh, in October, October 2nd, I do believe. Well, you know, this is a, this is an interesting story here. You and I, uh, Joseph, have been talking both on air and off about wearing masks and being careful. And at some point, hey, things start to open up. We'll figure all that out. Regal Cinemas wants you back. So uh, ask yourself this, Star Wars fans, is Empire Strikes Back enough to get you back in a movie theater? Regal will begin reopening their theaters on July 10th. Now, keep in mind, <laughs> as I say that, who knows? <laughs> that could change yeah. dramatically. Uh, there was an email that went out of the comedy store patios open for drinks soon. I don't think that email was an hour old before that was old. Um, well, but uh, Regal's plan was to open up with 50% capacity limits and play several classic films, including Jurassic Park, Rocky, Black Panther, Unforgiven, and Inside Out. And The Empire Strikes Back was one of those featured and very got a lot of people excited. So, Joseph, I'll just ask you, is this is this enough to get you back? The simple answer is no. <laughs> uh, as always, I have a, a more complicated answer. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you know, I, I saw Empire Strikes Back with a full audience a little while back at the Ford Theater, this great uh, mm. amphitheater uh, in mm. Los Angeles for live performance, but they also do... Uh, screenings and it was packed. Uh, you know, I, I made the joke at the time. There's a bunch of people in costume, including Kylo Ren. So it made me feel like we were watching his old, uh, you know, family videos, his old home videos of his parents' adventures. Um, and it was so, so great to see Empire on the big screen with a huge bunch of fans. And that was electric and exciting. And if that was going to be the situation, it might be a temptation. Um, but with, uh, half full audience at the risk of my health and other people, not as exciting. Uh, I love that this general idea is being floated, that the theaters are eager to open, but maybe the, the uh, industry is not giving them new movies uh, yet, but I'd just love to see this happen. I'd love to see like, you know, in, in the post pandemic times, movie Mm. theaters just do a throwback weekend, you know, like no, 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 there's maybe one new movie this weekend, but the rest is all a bunch of classics. That would be really fun. Yeah. That's a, that's a conversation about the future of movie theaters, even outside of a pandemic. Right. I, 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 I feel you. And I know it's not always easy. I, I was involved with an event last year with the central coast film society and, and they did a showing of a new hope. And it's a process. It's a big process to go get permission to do that from Lucasfilm. 
Uh, I mean, I, I only heard, saw some of the emails, but they had to get actually get into it. So I know it's not as easy. And I, I worked in a movie theater for a while and, you know, you know, the, how those, you know, there's a lot there. Let's just, there's a reason your Cokes are $19. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, but I'm all on board for that going forward right now. I'm like you, Joseph, I am just being more cautious and I'll stick with that. That works for me. It might, might not work for everybody. Uh, and Empire Strikes Back as much as I love it. I'll, I'll watch it at home. <laughs> right. I think I saw a tweet saying, you know, this would have worked better if we hadn't all those of us who could afford it bought the largest television we could. <laughs> Look, I'm telling you, that has changed the game. And I, yeah, and, and yeah, changed the game. Not everyone's fortunate enough to have uh, the uh, size of TV they want, but uh, e- even an average TV, uh, I go back to the days of racing home to watch G.I. Joe on a tiny little box with a remote wired to it. Um, so I don't know. Uh, so we'll see. Keep you updated. Maybe, but uh, yeah, maybe down the line, uh, just doing that. Just, Hey, come on out, man. Cause I would love to go into those high end theaters and get a, you know, French flatbread pizza and a rum and Coke and watch star Wars in a reclining chair while I fall asleep. I would, I would love that. I would love that. Yeah. And the, the theater is packed with people seeing all of their, you know, old favorite films. It sounds great. I'd love it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Final story of the day. We're going to dive into this one here a bit. This is uh, what Joseph uh, called uh, off air, and it, and it convinced me to to go ahead with the story, a book trailer. And I once I wrapped my head around that, I was like, I'm okay to spoil myself a little bit. Uh, the first chapter of Star Wars The High Republic, Light of the Jedi, was revealed. IGN got the exclusive uh, story there spoilers ahead if you're like me and i always i only say it because a lot of times when uh book excerpt excerpts are, are released i just i just like let me i want to f- experience it all in the book um uh, but then joseph's like think of it as a book trailer because it's the first chapter and i went that is true so joseph thank you <laughs> <laughs> no problem no problem because i'm with you i don't i don't want advanced information in general but this Mm. is since they pushed the high republic back and they are you know this is not somebody got a copy of it and leaked this is we're choosing to share this with you because we think it will get you excited that felt like eh, all right i'll go along with it this is the creators are asking me to go watch this or read this yeah, absolutely. This is the the book written by Charles Sewell. It'll be the first one out of the gate. And this reveals the big event that sets off the story. If you all recall, we were teased with a big event that launches this entire series of stories. And something, I think they kind of hinted at something related to hyperspace, something like that. A disaster. We knew that was coming. Well, Joseph, we got that answer. In short, a ship called the Legacy Run, captained by Hedda Cassett, is destroyed in hyperspace. The ship uh, breaks apart uh, during light speed. I'm kind of summarizing it here. Uh, and this, of course, will send some pieces of the ship tearing in parts of the galaxy. There was also a lot of people on board this ship. Uh, and this starts a chain of events and leads to the bigger story. So let's just go to that reveal, Joseph. Then we'll get some general thoughts about what we read. What do you think about that being the event? I absolutely love it. Um, I I went to the link that you uh, kindly provided IGN, and I, IGN was really great about saying, "Hey, we've got a little interview with uh, with the author, uh, but if you want to just read the chapter first, you can jump ahead." So I did that. So I read this chapter not knowing that I was reading the inciting incident of the whole High Republic uh, story, at least the beginning of the High Republic story. Uh, so that was great because it it totally suckered me of. 
is this a main character we're going to know and all that. Um, so I really enjoyed that perspective and it made me enjoy this as the inciting incident even more because it feels when you just read it as, mm-hmm. hey, it's just people going about their their lives. There, there's a bunch of stuff in there from Hedda Cassidy about like, this is a pretty safe run. We've This is a main hyperlane. Uh, we've done this, you know, many times. There shouldn't be a problem. But the big thing that I love is the idea that the that hyperspace is not entirely known. Not just the routes, but just like, it, it's. It, I love that they're tapping into that mystery, right? Because mm-hmm. it's a, such a huge part of Star Wars. Always has been since uh, 1977. Uh, but it's always been kind of like a little side thing. If you knew, like, you, you know, hyperspace is not just I'm going faster. It's a different dimension. Yeah. Um, it's a different level of reality. And I love that they set up in this chapter that she's like, yeah, you know, we don't we don't fully understand it. Yeah. So I, I thought the inciting incident was going to be like something political or, you know, a station uh, was blown mm-hmm. up. The fact that it, it could be political. We don't know who who all was on that ship or why this happened, but that it is centered around something that is absolutely core to star wars uh but we can still draw new mysteries and ideas from it and it it makes it feel larger than just um a story about characters but a story about the nature of the galaxy too yeah that's 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 a great way to look at it there because uh, this is what's set 200 years before the time period we're familiar with but i i I love that we're not getting a, all right, so we studied Purgles and they do this thing and we can do it too. I like that it's going, but the galaxy isn't fully explored. There's still this great mystery, but uh, um, but there's also this sense of the growth of the galaxy. Is is uh, She talks a lot about it, or at least the state, there's a little bit of the state of the galaxy talk in there, um, that there's you know, exploration and hope and inclusion and this and the things and the government's running on all cylinders, right? And then to have this is part of that part of that growth right and then to have that immediately affected and it potentially kills uh you know lives and and, and there's a great moment with her and the kids uh, connecting and, and and she not not knowing what happens i i don't know it, it 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 was not what i was expecting for the incident i i think a little bit like you of one thing right big uh, two jedi were killed or something like that you know and yeah. this this works, and 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 it, and it got me more excited again. I keep going back. I'm excited for the High Republic, but I keep finding myself more excited than I anticipated, which makes me even more excited. A lot of excitement building, Joseph. Yeah, yeah, and I love I love that uh, basically crawl at the beginning of the first chapter. Mm-hmm. Like when mm-hmm. I finished re- reading that, I was like, you could have just released this. I don't <laughs> I don't need the rest of the chapter because I'm so pumped. But um, I love that picture of what I think many societies in in the real world struggle with of, Hey, if we kind of take care of our, a lot of our problems, uh, just really basic. Like we're, we're not at war. Most people have enough to eat. How, how do we go about exploring who we want to be and, Mm -hmm. and making the best of our lives of the, and, and really enriching our family relationships and, exploring ourselves is is our what what can we achieve through art and science and the idea that as we're meeting this era of star wars they had sort of achieved that but now there's this new thing that is going to incite fear like the villain of star wars right is fear so this idea that hey we we got there for the most part you know we're still we're exploring and you know the outer rim is still unknown so there's a little bit of fear of that but now 
Now we have to fear hyperspace. Now we have to fear that, I mean, talk about what a great picture of random fear that random chunks of this exploding ship could appear anywhere at any time. Mm-hmm. What that, that is fear manifest, right? So yeah. I just love the um, storytelling possibilities that it sets up because they are both fresh and they go to the heart of Star Wars, the fight against fear. The fight against fear and then ties in, you know, canon junky stuff. To me, this does tie into, I don't know, the Holdo Maneuver. Han Solo's uh, New Hope line about, you know, you got to be careful uh, when you go to light speed, when you jump, make the jump. Like, it, it, it answers, it scratches that itch, too, of just kind of learning where some of that history, why why would someone during the era of of, uh, of the rebellion be like, you got to be careful in hyperspace. <laughs> right. Trust, trust me. So it scratches that itch. It scratches the bigger picture. I love what you describe it, it it's literally f- fear flying through the galaxy now of something new and, and destroying a a, a pretty uh, yeah, peaceful time is just how it's being sold uh we got who, who, the the villains uh nile right the nile are, are not necessarily directly mentioned yet um could very well have something to do with this it makes sense that that would be the case um um but uh what did you feel just uh um general thoughts on just reading in our first real glimpse, very short as it was, into a Star Wars story, a modern era Star Wars story, and knowing that you weren't going to hear the name Skywalker, Organa, Solo, yeah, at least from what we would guess at this point, right? How, how did you have? How did you have? How did you feel? I felt great because uh, two two things that crawl uh, text has that line about how these Jedi outposts being set up in the outer rim are basically making their own decisions uh, far away from the Jedi Council. So Mm -hmm. that to me was the Yoda answer of like, oh, that's how we're sidestepping Yoda not being involved in every little thing because these are, we're going to be looking at these, you know, remote groups of Jedi who are are making their own decisions. So that intrigued me uh, Mm -hmm. about the dynamic and about why you didn't just, you know, call Yoda for the answer to everything. Um, And then in terms of just that familiarity, this was so great because the the Star Wars galaxy has expanded so much. I feel really uh, hooked by species I know or, you know, kind of classes of, of people. Like, there wasn't a Skywalker, you know, there, there's not a, a Solo, you know, there isn't a hint of uh, the, the Sith yet. But, you know, I felt immediately hooked by Star Wars history by things like there's hope for the Outer Rim. Mm. We know how that's going to turn out. Not mm. great. Uh <laughs> You know, even the midrim isn't as explored. So, ooh, what what planets are in that? And then, you know, talking about uh, the uh, the partnership between Malastare and Solist. Well, okay, I'm invested in in those people. Um, the fact that one of the uh, the people on the bridge was a Quermian, uh, which is Jarl Poof's uh, species. I was like, there's a Jarl Poof on the bridge. Like, mm-hmm. I'm interested in enough parts of Star Wars that I felt just as hooked as if, um, you know. Padme was on the bridge. Right. Yeah. It's this, the history aspect of it. I, I am uh, even rereading the prologue as you speak. And there's a, the, the, the sentence, the Jedi of the frontier. <laughs> and there you right? go. Now we're, we're definitely in a, in a different era with the uh, ripe with storytelling possibilities. And yeah, a great point. Great point about uh, yeah, the Jedi out there. Ah, they don't need to call Mace. They don't need to call backhand Yoda or maybe uh, who's the new Mace. Maybe it's a, uh, you know, a case uh, Kindu is uh, the <laughs> case Kindu. Tara Sanube might be alive. Who knows? Yeah, it might be alive. 
so yeah, it just sets it up and not in, uh, it's so, you can already tell there's, there's a lot that went into this, which we know we've seen the videos, we've seen how long they put the work into it. And that uh, was making me excited then, but to see it, I don't think this book trailer, it worked on me. It was good. It was good. Yeah. My, my final thought is just, uh, I know both you and I have really enjoyed Charles Sewell's, uh, comic book writing and I know he is a novelist, uh, but I haven't read any of his novels. So just getting into his prose and seeing like, oh, he's a, he is a great prose writer for Star Wars as well was thrilling. And it also goes to me for, um, this battle that, that you were asking about and that we talk about is like, hey, you, you pick up this Queen's Peril book and it's characters in a time period you know and you're hooked. And sometimes when I pick up a Star Wars book and I'm being introduced to new characters, sometimes it's a little bit of a slog. Mm-hmm. This wasn't a slog because of the skill of his writing to let you know immediately and with charm who this captain is. Yeah. And as soon as you get good writing that just starts to tell you who this person is, what they care about, why, a little hint at what they fear, then you're just right in it. And it then you don't have that slog of, oh, I'd rather be hearing about Luke Skywalker. Right. Yeah. No slog. No slog. No slog. Um, yeah. No, and, I don't, and that's not a slight on the book. We, we, we love the books. But yeah, there is that kind of like, oh, there's another weird senator I've never met. Or, you know, and you got to, and that, that you have the benefit of being in that time period. So it, it's, uh, they need to put a lot of importance on, on introducing the story to us. And I think they have got it. So uh, look for the book now uh, set to be released January 5th, 2021. And the High Republic era will launch. That's uh, a look at the news before we take a break and go to your questions and a look at Jedi Temple Challenge. We're going to have a Force Center Recommends audio book for you. Joseph, what's on the docket today? As uh, if we haven't mentioned it enough, it's Queen's Peril by E.K. Johnston. Recommending that one because we're going to be doing our review soon, and we want you all to be caught up, so give it a listen. Please do download your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash Force Center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Force Center. For your free audiobook, get a book on us and support the show as well. All right, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, it's Life Lessons from Jedi Temple Challenge. And your questions. Stick around for Force Center. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget, Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, and special programming all there for you, and more shows on the way. It's Four Center on YouTube. Check it out. Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. Center. Our look at the news is behind us, and Joseph, now we'll be looking ahead to Jedi Temple Challenge Review. 
That's right. It was another great episode where where I learned a lot and maybe got some peeks into how well I would do or not do <laughs> on the Jedi Temple Challenge. Yeah, and and that's part of what I want to talk about today. Is as we look at the show, it's 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 just fun to dive in and review it and, and focus on different aspects of the show and the lessons there. But I got to say, say this, just as a Star Wars fan, it, when, when it comes out, uh, it, it is a great morning coffee show for me. Well, I pour the coffee, maybe a bowl of cereal or whatever bad breakfast choice I've made. And I just bring this up and just watch and, and, and revel in the Star Wars joy. It's, it's, yeah. Just sit down yeah. with some coffee and a bulb of garlic and enjoy Jedi Temple Challenge, right? <laughs> Yeah, garlic <laughs> and coffee go together. It's good. Uh, looking at this episode, uh, this was the, gosh, this is the fourth one, right? Yeah, fourth one. Uh, Max and Oz were the blue team. Uh, Alea and Brooke, the orange team. Joey and Joanna, the purple team. Uh, we will talk about uh, some of the stuff there. But I, in watching this one, there was a great shot uh, up front where they, you know, they, they all the kids, they, they say the, the words and then they put their foot on the, the, the seal and uh, Keller and Beck sends them off on their mission. And there was a great overhead shot. And for a moment, uh, the orange team, uh, Alea and Brooke, like hesitated. Now, I don't know it'd be the nuts and bolts of, of how they make this. Maybe they all tell them, hey, blue team, you got to go here first. Or I don't know how, how fine-tuned it's produced in that way. Um, but I, there was this hes- hesitation. And it made me think, given the choice of those three challenges in the first round, which is the leap and lift, you got the balance one, you got the pull, uh, pulling on the ropes there. Uh, Joseph, what would be your strategy? Tackle the hardest challenge first, go what you know you can complete first. Where would you yeah. go? Yeah, I mean, it it feels deliciously just weird to be an adult person going, you know, I, I watched uh, some episodes of this and I think I know the strategy now, uh, but uh, I think I know how to beat this. Uh, I think you got to go pull first because the pull is the one that slows them down. I think... Right it seems like the others all have like a spirit of playground fun of, Hey, you get to jump, even though that one I got problems with, cause there's some height issues there. Um, and the balancing is fun and the swinging's like, come on, I want to swing the pull. And with putting those heavy backpacks on and the pull seems to surprise the contestants every time. Yeah. That it is harder than they think it is. So I would go for that one first. Cause it also seems like it takes a little bit longer to put the packs on and to pull yourself yeah. over there. That's a great point. I, I still do this. Who am I? I was going to say as a kid, I still do this. Given a nice, well-balanced meal put in front of me, I'll go to the vegetables first because they're the less fun thing, though I do enjoy them. I enjoy some broccoli. Okay, kids, eat your broccoli. Um, I'll go there first because this is going to be the least fun, the hardest, and perhaps the longest part of my meal. I am so. right there with you. When, <laughs> when there's a vegetable that's the last thing on your plate, it's a tragedy. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I want the I want the main event there. So you and I, you and I, there you go. We'd be in, we'd be in sync as a team. And I like this idea of uh, going to the pool one because the leap and lift. I we've talked about uh, you know not even worry about height. I can't get height uh, when jumping. Um, so I also be worried that I would try too hard and I'd bounce on that trampoline, or as Homer would say, the trampoline, and then I'd head straight into the wall. It <laughs> <laughs> just go all the way over. They'd have the first injury on Jedi Temple Challenge. So some great stuff. Some of the highlights of the game here, uh, I got to say, I got to shout this out. And and a shout out to all of our, our Force Center listeners who are in our Discord. We have a special channel to discuss this. And and uh, a lot of pe- people get in there after each episode and just really have fun breaking it down. 
And uh, we all agree that this is some of the best banter between Master uh, Keller and Beck and 83. Uh, did you have any moments that jumped out to you? And, and just how, how have you thought of this banter overall on the show so far? I thought it was good. It keeps it really keeps writing that line between staying in universe and having just just the right amount of kind of tongue in cheek fun, you know, not winking at the camera, but but having a sense of humor. I, I think my favorite uh, back and forth was uh, AD saying, OK, we get it. You can use the force uh, when Keller and Beck was closing the door. And, and it felt like Keller and Beck put a little bit more flourish in the rest of his force gesture there. I love that there. There was a sweet moment where AD says uh, something along the line of balance isn't my best thing. And, and uh, Master Beck just turns to her and says, I'll be there to catch you. Oh, that, that's right. This whole episode felt like really kind and supportive. And I, I really love that. This is why I'm telling you, we, we're all craving more Keller and Beck content and N83 content, by the way. Um, I And this this is a, 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 a teacher that has to give the bad news of you didn't succeed and you must go back to the start of your lessons and all those kind of things that come with, come with teaching, but was a soft soul, but also there's, because it's on my best in the moment, there's some great moments where they just capture him. He's watching the game. He's a comment is made and then they'll just have a snappy, almost not cynical, but just kind of almost there's a, there's a undertone to it. That's just beautiful. I just, he's playing it so well. He's yeah, playing. It so it's well. note perfect. Oh, and I love that he worked in bladed hand. Like, yeah. uh, I know there's a team of, you know, editors and writers and everything, but that felt very much like Ahmed Best doing like, I have made up my backstory and I'm just going to shout it out at a random time to make sure it gets in this show. Yeah. I mean, he is a co-producer too. So, but it was great to hear that actual canon. Uh, the, the orange team did go first and uh, sent back to the uh, Jedi school to get some more training there. But uh, their little post game one there, um, uh, Brooke said, I got to go on an adventure. She says, oh, and I also got to skip school. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> It just reminds of the reality of if, if you and I had been cast back in the day for Double Dare, Joseph, we'd get, also get to miss school. Yeah, that's a bonus all by itself. Is indeed uh, the the uh, team that went on uh, and and, uh, and became Jedi Knights was Max and Oz, the blue team. And there was a great moment of Max saying the challenge has got the, quote, brain juices going, which <laughs> also sounds like a Star Wars meal. Yeah, Max. Uh, Max was great. Uh, Max maybe uh, held the mirror up to me. That uh, I think that is kind of how I would have looked and spoken uh, as a child, uh, competing on <laughs> giant I'm temple challenges. I'm with you. There was a uh, guy. Was that great kid's name? And in, in like the second episode, I was like, "Yep, there's me. There's <laughs> me." There was this uh, a new addition when they uh, had. At least I believe it was a new addition where they would actually punch it. They actually get to punch. And go into light speed in hyperspace. Uh, that's that's as someone who did that at Galaxy's Edge Smuggler's Run and, and nearly cried as an adult. Oh, that was an awesome addition for me. Oh yeah, yeah. I think the kids should be able to punch it every time. <laughs> every time. Uh, wrap it up. Our a look here at Jedi Temple Challenge. A big game lesson there. Max and Oz became Jedi, but they went to the dark side. Max called it balance. <laughs> <laughs> called it balance. Now, look, they had a lot of time and they only got one piece wrong. I think they kind of panicked a little bit here. Joseph, I was going to say, what is the lesson here? Do you think Max is right about this balance going to the dark side to get to the next round? Uh, that that concerned me very much. I'm I'm worried for Max. Uh, no, uh, 
it's it's actually the one of the fun points where you can just look at it as a game and and uh it, it's it is absolutely a game for for kids to grow and families to enjoy at home but you can tap into those life lessons and i thought that's like a great philosophical jedi uh discussion because my personal interpretation of the balance of the force is like you don't just kind of tap into the dark side once or twice when it's convenient but the way max and oz actually used it really it didn't come from a place of frustration and anger it did come from a very tactical place of it seems like we're going to run out of time so let's just tap into the dark side for a second and to be fair they didn't actually give in to the frustration they didn't get stressed on that next challenge and rush and make mistakes or fight with each other so mm-hmm. i philosophically disagree with max but it did actually work out for him well to tap into the dark side for just a second as a tactic uh this is a, this is why i love talking about this show it's so yeah it's so great and it's 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 not that he uh it's not that he used necessary rage he just used used uh needed uh needed uh, uh, quickery speed needed speed <laughs> quicker yeah brief a brief deal with the dark side and then backed out the dark side final final thing here is they won and uh if if you uh whenever we hope you all are watching this and just supporting it especially if you have uh kids and and uh sitting down and and sharing the joy of star wars with a different generation a younger generation uh that's that's the reason for this here uh but uh go back and watch it if you missed it when when the when max and oz I think Oz was, uh, I think they said he was about 10 and Max was uh, 14 uh, brothers in arms there. Uh, they, they, they become Jedi Knights and they go through the whole thing and, and they get the lightsabers out. Look at the joy on their faces, particularly Oz's. And who then says it's really tiring become Jedi Knights, <laughs> Jedi Knights, which is I think also probably true and good. I mean, Joseph, I I, I was won over by that. Like they, this, they were tears of joy in their eyes and I loved it. Yeah, it was great. It was absolutely great because this is all great fun. It is life lessons, great building blocks, but that's a huge part of what it is to be a Jedi. You know, only the the most serious minded uh, Qui-Gon kind of Qui-Gon could be talking to Anakin about to play Jedi Temple Challenges right before they leave Tatooine. He's like, remember, this is not an easy life, you know. So I kind of liked that. It was it was very real and very human and very funny, but I liked that they were like, Oh no, it's fun. I got to swing. Also, it's really exhausting. It's hard work <laughs> being a Jedi. Like that's nice honesty. I liked it. Anakin, beware the leap and lift. <laughs> Anakin, no, do the push and pull first. <laughs> there you go. So hey, we're loving this show. We really love uh the, the attitude and spirit behind it. And and Ahmed Best and Mary Holland just uh nailing it every week. So we hope you guys are are checking out Jedi Temple Challenge as well we're gonna get to audience questions joseph that's right i got i I actually have one more thing i gotta say about jedi temple challenge and actually ask you because i rewound i think seven Mm -hmm. times when they always do this they ask the kids to shout out uh what what jedi traits are being tested right Mm -hmm. um and i think one kid yelled power (laughs) oh did he yeah if you rewind what is because it's uh strength knowledge bravery right Yes. And it's like a Simpsons joke. It's like strength, knowledge, power, bravery. <laughs> I'm going to, oh, definitely have to check that out. Yeah. Was it Max? Was it Max when we went to the dark side? It might have been Max who called out for power. <laughs> power. power. 
unlimited power. Uh, definitely going to check that out. Uh, worth a worth a rewatch there. Oh, that would be great if they have an episode where one kid is just like, no, I am a Sith and that's what I want out of this. And I'm well, stating I, it clearly. I, I mean, OK, first of all, uh, side story, side story. We'll move on with the questions. Uh, so so my what my my best friend, um, uh, big, big Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, you know, Game of Thrones, you know, sword and sandals and lightsabers and boots guy like me uh, has has a daughter. She's now 13 now uh, when she was two. Two, they went to Star Wars Anaheim, and that's when they would do the the Jedi School Academy stuff live there, right by in, in Tomorrowland. And they would pick kids out, right, and then and then three or four kids, and the Jedi would be teaching them. Uh, uh, Kim Cannon uh, uh, from uh, Pencils and Parsecs would do it, and everything. She she'd be a Jedi there. Then then like Darth Maul would come out, and it would be scary, right? And all the kids, and and you had to be be strong and and fight your my. Uh, there's video of it. My friend's daughter at two and a half bowed before Darth Maul. <laughs> And said, I will join you. <laughs> and, and and my friend, my my friend was just proud. He was like, that my, my girl makes her own decisions. She makes her own decisions, and I'm so happy for her. <laughs> and literally all the parents are like, Oh, what do we do? What do we do? The kid, she's turned to the dark side. So I would love that. I would love that if Max comes back with a red lightsaber and just says, Power. That yeah, that would be so amazing if like all the other kids are like strength, knowledge, bravery, and some other kid is just like you're sheep. You're all sheep. Kellerand <laughs> Beck has to get out his lightsaber and fight him. <laughs> oh, we're writing, we're writing Jedi Temple fan fiction, and I love it. <laughs> I love it. Oh, <laughs> well said, sir. Good question. Uh, all right, uh, to the audience questions, we can go. Here we go into the audience questions. We always get some from social media and some from our uh, patrons on Patreon. We start with some questions from Twitter. First, from Toasted Zendalorian. I'm sure that is a real, actual human name, Toasted Zendalorian. That's great. Yeah. And Toasted says, will there be more references to Mortis, the Lothwolves, uh, or Lothwolves, World Between Worlds, and other deep force lore in future Star Wars projects? What do you think? It is a kind of a Clone Wars, Rebels, uh, Filoni, and, and Lucas, obviously, collection of deep force lore stories. Do you think we're going to see more of that canon in when and where? I think we will. And I don't necessarily think Mandalorian season two, just because some people may be familiar with these uh, locations <laughs> will pop up. I, I think at some point we are, I say this with no, no, not even worried about behind the scenes gossip or talk or anything like that. It, it's very clear. This is, this is stuff very close to Filoni's heart and close to George's heart, especially Mortis and all that kind of stuff. So I wonder if there's a, if, the, if anyone's going to attempt it, it would have to be Mr. Cowboy Hat. Um, not that other people can't understand it just as well, if not better, but you know what I mean? Like he's got such a handle on it and has used it so well so many times. I wonder if there's like a, I don't know, like uh, let, let, let Dave do it. I don't know. I, I you know, if, if you, if you know what I mean, I don't mean that in total. I don't mean that cynical. And I don't mean that like, again, like no one else couldn't. I'm just saying all those things you listed are all tied to him and, and George. Yeah, I think those specific ones are likely to be Filoni involved, uh, Mortis in particular, and especially since we know from, you know, interviews that Filoni is not just working on Mandalorian season two. There are other things cooking um, mm -hmm. for Mortis. I, I could be totally wrong, but I feel like Mortis is an end game for Ahsoka. Um Mm. Ahsoka had such an experience there. She has that connection to the convoy. Uh, we saw the Mortis images of the father, son, daughter 
in the temple that led to the world between worlds. There's so much that's connecting Ahsoka, and it is something that is um, matters a lot to Filoni, as Ahsoka does. So I think that could very well play, Mortis in particular, could very well play into um, any sort of Ahsoka searches for Ezra story and, and possibly for mm-hmm. uh, Ahsoka Endgame that she ends up going to Mortis. It has always struck me as a good possibility. The world between worlds strikes me as something that's such an interesting idea that you could explore in different ways with different characters that I could see that popping up in maybe a really different context. Uh, you know, who knows? Maybe that shows up in the High Republic uh, kind mm-hmm. of era. But the thing that I think um, Mortis and World Between Worlds in particular is going to inspire is more stories about the Force is many faceted, multifaceted. Different cultures have different understandings of this. We get that uh, with the Zepho. We get that with that Luke Skywalker Legends book. And mm-hmm. I think that there's going to be more stories of, hey, a Jedi Temple isn't just a place with some knowledge and a Sith Temple mm-hmm. isn't just a place with some scary artifacts, but they're weird things like World Between Worlds that do something entirely different that are a portal to some other reality or, or mm-hmm. some other manifestation of the Force. And I think... I think those kind of deep force lore ideas that we've had are going to be doorways, hopefully, to more and different deep force lore places. Mm, you're, you're pitching Star Wars Ghost Adventures, and I love it uh, <laughs> right there for it. Yeah, uh, it, you know, I'm thinking, and, and follow me here, too. One, one of the ways, one of the reasons they'd have to be careful, not just whoever would be uh, in, in charge or, or part of telling these stories, Everything you've listed here, or, or that Toasted Zedalorian is listed here, is Mortis, the Lothwolf's world, world, world Between Worlds, I can say it. Deep Force lore aside, that's all obviously animated stuff, right? And mm-hmm. that generally, generally means, this is, that's a, this is a very general statement, means you're, you're a pretty big Star Wars fan if you're investing in the animated shows, or you're a kid and this was your first exposure to it. Um I'm just saying, look at Exegol. And I, yeah, we're very aware that uh, the, the, the proposed episode nine uh, script from Trevorrow had Mortis in it. Uh, take that aside for a second. Go to Exegol. I, I love Exegol stuff. I, I think it's, it's, it's foreboding and gothic and, and mystical. And it's, and it's, I keep saying it's like going to Mordor. It's something outside of the, the realm of my understanding. Uh, but it's also a world. It's a planet. That relate, raised so many questions, Joseph. And, and quite frankly, some pushback. Uh, when when you when discussing that movie, that I wonder if, again if you were in a movie and they walk in and Kylo Ren goes to the world between worlds, and Palpatine's there, and Ray goes to the world between worlds. I got him at general audiences. Uh, I think I don't think they'd like it. I, I and that's this is general conversation, folks. I, I, I so that's why you have to be very careful how you present these stories. Yeah, I think they would like it if it was in a movie that was a little bit more about that. I think, you know, the the sequel trilogy and Rogue One and Solo, like Rogue One and Solo have different priorities because they're really talking about like the rebellion and the smugglers. And, you know, there's a little bit of uh, force, you know, especially with Maul in, in both of them and with the Kyber Crystals and the Guardians of the Wills, but they don't go too deep because they're about different ideas. And then the sequel trilogy is trying to juggle all of the different flavors and ideas of what Star Wars can be. If, if Taika Waititi's uh, movie is, yeah, you know what? It's set 800 years before uh, mm-hmm. the prequels, and it's just a random Jedi having an adventure, and they encounter a temple, then that's kind of like, that's what the movie is asking you to invest in. 
And then mm-hmm. I think people would accept it more if it was a new idea and it was really about, it was a movie that is about the force, then it would seem natural. But I, I think you're right. Uh, it, it would have seemed a little, maybe too much to explain in a sequel mm-hmm. trilogy movie. Yeah, I, I, you're totally right. I mean, especially with this idea of, of these these portals attached to the temples, kind of this, uh, you know, on, on a cosmic force uh, private eye mission <laughs> of going around over the Jedi or something like that. I keep it that. I'm just saying that as a, you know, as, as, as I always say, the war war over the lore for me when I, I'm here for the, the battle sometimes and what I can learn from that. Um, yeah, a lot of that stuff can sometimes uh, not not push, clearly not push me off. I enjoy it, but just even at, going back to my days as a fan in the 80s and 90s, I wasn't as interested in that stuff on a general level. So uh, I, I want to see it, though, now. I just, I know Toasted Zendalorian, it will have to be careful. Have yeah. To be careful. Yeah. So are you, I know that you like uh, Mortis and World Between Worlds, but are you still, um, are they still not your favorite when you look at sort of war over lore? Here's what I'll say. I absolutely enjoy them. I can find them easy to just set aside and not deal with, Mm. if that makes sense. Um, And not, not deal with like, oh, I've got to deal with Mortis. (laughs) Just like, the story's there and I can enjoy Ezra, Kanan and everyone on their mission and know that where it's going. Cause that particular episode I really enjoyed. So it's not that I don't like it. It's just that I don't know. Watching the rebels fight on Scarif. There's no part of me that feels I need to also go. Oh, also there's the cosmic force and there's this weird dimension that you go, you know, you know what I mean? Like for me, I can separate it easily. Um, and sometimes maybe people can't. And when, if the rebels had been fighting on Scarif and one of them fell into a hole and Ezra was standing there <laughs> like in a, in another world, like it would have been maybe tougher. And that's an extreme jokey example, but you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah I, I really do love this. I want answers. The, the, just the idea alone of Mortis in episode nine was something I, I, I would have been in, interested in uh, execution, always being a thing that, that is the deciding factor in how it's received. But I'm not a, definitely not against it. And definitely now more than ever do want some of those answers, but what you're pitching, uh, not only the Jedi portal temple challenge, but Ahsoka Endgame absolutely makes sense. I, I almost can't see it going somewhere else. Uh, and, and, and so I do want that, but like you said, in, 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 uh, you know, not that Taika's going to do Ahsoka's Endgame story, but yeah, if, if it was a separate thing and you go, no going in what you got, good good with it yeah I, everything you're saying makes perfect sense to me and and i think that i am into the lore and into the force like i i love rogue one and only continue to love it more actually every time i see it but i'm still like hey mm-hmm. if chirden uh, and bays are guardians of the wills what exactly do they believe and i always wish that there was you know a little bit more like we get everything we need for the movie to work but there's always like yeah. that i, I want more because i'm about the lore but I, yeah. I really love hearing you talk about it because in a way it sounds to me like you're Han Solo. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, at some point Han Solo's like, okay, I've seen it for myself multiple times. The Force is absolutely real. My best friend has it. My wife has it. My child has it. What's for dinner? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's, it's there. I accept it. I'll engage if I need to. But I also just gotta keep on going with things I can see and touch and feel. <laughs> I am telling you, as the older I get, for better and definitely worse, I am very much like Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> a good, good compliment. I <laughs> like your new jacket. 
Yes. We're going to move on. Move on. Uh, next question comes from Jedi Scout. Jedi Scout asks, what character has most fully embodied the Jedi Code attributes of peace, knowledge, serenity, harmony, and the Force? Uh, now that we've talked about uh, war uh, over lore and, and focusing on Jedi stuff, I realize almost all the questions I picked are Jedi stuff. So I apologize, Kim. <laughs> no, of course. Clearly, the answer to this question is Max from Jedi Temple Challenge. Uh, <laughs> he showed it all. Power. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I have an answer. I think I have the answer I'm locking in. Yeah, I had a lot of fun thinking about this one because to me, the story of the Jedi is not that every single Jedi accomplished this always or that you accomplish it once and you just stay in that. It, 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 the struggle, why you need to be you know, the most uh, dedicated and serious-minded is because you're not always going to be all of those things except for in specific moments. Um, so for me, I thought of like the characters who most successfully embodied it in specific moments. Uh, and for me, I went to Luke in The Last Jedi. Um, yeah. Luke uh, projected himself uh, to Crate. Uh, you, you've got the piece, which is literally, um, I am going to handle this problem, uh, but I'm going to do it in a pacifistic way. Uh, the knowledge, not only the Jedi mastery, but the knowledge of accepting, here's what I can do to make a difference, and here's what I can't do. Uh, I think serenity because he he was clearly uh, calm and measured and knew exactly what he was doing and why. Uh, I would say harmony. You know, serenity and harmony can sound similar, but harmony—the idea that uh, you're you're acknowledging everything around you and everything around you is in harmony—and I think I, I see that him accepting the limitations of what he can do. Him accepting that he personally at this moment can't save. Uh, Ben's soul he can't get him back that's that's not this moment uh, but he knows that he can plant the seeds for that potentially uh, that all speaks to harmony and the force like come on he force projected himself to crate that's pretty good <laughs> uh, so Luke uh, Luke I have some runner-ups but Luke in the last yeah. Jedi projecting a crate uh, in a massive pacifist victory of uh, power and knowledge is is definitely it for me what is your take I I think I love your take. I love your idea on the moments. Yeah, the moments. Um, that's big. And and because of that, I, I was I was thinking, you know, Leia rise to Skywalker, Leia, Leia final final moments of her life. Mm. There's a lot of here, a piece of what she's got to do, knowledge of why she has to do it, a, a serenity, kind of a, a, a calm acceptance of it, harmony with the galaxy, harmony with her son, and a, and, and a good force act as well. Um, so I, I would go that direction too. Um, overall, if I was to pick. Uh, yeah, it's hard to go against like Yoda. It's hard to go against Obi-Wan at, at various points in his life. But I always think, and this is, keeps up coming more and more, and we might do a deep dive in this character uh, soon, is, is Qui-Gon Jinn kind of has all of these constantly, but I also think he doesn't care. <laughs> you know, he's not holding this over you. You know? Yeah. And Ahsoka comes to embody a lot of these on her journey has, you know, kind of a, a lot of people thinking she's the best Jedi doing the Jediing. Um, I, I, I follow that line of thought too, but Qui-Gon's kind of got all of this and he's always got to, he's always got to be in any situation to tie it back to this. Well, you know, you got to have knowledge. Well, Anakin, we, we need serenity, but he's, he's not full of himself over it. 
No, no, no. I, I, and I think uh, I think Qui Gon comes up a lot because uh, he he is uh, portrayed in Phantom Menace as the Jedi who is on the the right track, and the rest of the Jedi aren't. But he's still yeah. a little bit in conflict. And sure. as we learn more about his story, I think he's in conflict about how he handles prophecies and how to respond to them. And I think a large part of him does want to uh, exceed his mandate and rescue Shmi, and uh, and and you know he's he's willing to have conflict and walk away from the Jedi Order if they won't train Anakin he's a little bit in conflict with uh with Obi-Wan so there's a lot going on there I'm yeah. not I'm not uh, don't mean to be harsh on on old Qui-Gon <laughs> no no it's just also what makes him such a wonderful interesting character but yeah 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 I think the other runner-up for me many different times for Obi-Wan and, and because I'm Obi-Wan biased I love him so much um but the more I think about it the more you know you and I deep dive on different takes on the force and being a good Jedi the way he handles Maul and Rebels is just uh, written so beautifully and such a great picture of truly knowledge and defense there's there's no anger right he's not he has no desire to to fight Maul but you know he's on this mission to protect Luke and he and he will because he has to and there's no malice it's he's so serene in this moment of having to strike Maul down and then, you know, so kind uh, about Maul's final moments. It's just a great Jedi moment. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts before we move on? No, we can move on, but tying it to the moments, um, yeah, that, that could lead to further discussions here on Force Center. Oh, excellent. I'd love that. We're going to move on to our questions from Patreon. This first one comes from Jeremy Klein. And Jeremy says, how do you think word of Luke's sacrifice on Crate got around the galaxy? I like to think that his actions are at least part of the reason why people showed up on Exegol after not coming to Crate. But it does make me wonder about the logistics of it all. Was it just word of mouth? Did one of the Resistance members just off screen have a Holovid GoPro on their head? <laughs> Thanks for taking my question and all the wonderful positivity. So uh, are you team word of mouth, Ken, or team GoPro? I I am team word of mouth, maybe followed by some GoPro. Maybe uh, Lando's got some GoPro footage that he's going around the galaxy <laughs> showing uh, people <laughs> towards the end there. I like word of mouth. That is, we talked about the different, uh, the, the interpretations of of Broom Boy to Mary Blag, uh, of 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 what that character. I, I didn't take it super literal. I took it, even though I'd say it's in the time period. You know, obviously because we see him on on uh, Cantabite, but or at Cantabite. Um, but I, I think I think to me that was word of mouth passed on uh, and and representative of of that going forward. You know, that story going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, we talk about Tamiri Blagg, but it's Oniho Zaya who actually memorizes the story right. and, and makes the custom-made action figures. Oniho Zaya, oh, yeah. please make me an action figure, damn it. <laughs> Get I want bash. that Jedi Master Luke. Get bash me that uh, Jedi Master Luke Skywalker. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love the idea of uh, word of mouth. Uh, I was thinking about this because of Jeremy's great question. Um, I like the idea that maybe it, this is a point that leia would have made maybe to some uh resistance members of mm. you know she is so aware to the point of when nobody answers a call saying you know we fought so long but i guess the hope has finally been snuffed out she's so aware of the the symbolic power of what yeah. luke did that it seems to me that she would maybe say like tell this story tell them that we are only alive because one person chose to stand against all of it, it this mm. you know noble jedi master luke skywalker you know, she knows that that needs to reach the ears 
of kids like Tamiri Blagg. Um, But then on the other side, there's a part of me that that wonders if some first order officers or, or, or soldiers, like a ton of first order people were like, did you see how much we fired on that guy? Yeah. yeah. And then he just totally played uh, the new Supreme leader, like, uh, like a helix set mm-hmm. uh, and just got him to, you know, totally slow us down. And, and they all escaped. I wonder if some first order, uh, you know, officers let their, let the story slip in a bar sometime. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. I know there's something to me that's just a little more mythical about the word of mouth angle, even though it's star Wars in this world with instant communication and holovids, like you said. Yeah. Um, and, and it, there wouldn't be official footage, obviously, uh, first order wouldn't that one want that out. So I don't, it just always just kind of works for me with word of mouth. And I, we understand, and, uh, you've talked even more than me about it, Joseph, just say, Hey, in episode nine, as much as we love the movie, maybe, some homage to, to Luke, uh, Luke and his message could have worked, but I, I just think, I think the spirit of that is very much all through, uh, episode nine and, and how it ends up working. And just logistically, you're not, you know, again, you're in a world that's under, under the oppression of the first order or been fighting the first order. And someone comes to you and says, Hey, an old, uh, uh, guy, uh, like force ghosted himself and everything's good now. Are you going to immediately grab your blaster and run outside? I don't know. Logistically, in this world, and I love to go into the stories like that. So, word of mouth and and, and pass along different. It, it 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 works for me on that mythical slower sense. Yeah, yeah, I, and I like that. Clearly, so many different fans because we've heard uh, from a couple different listeners uh, have the headcanon that it, it did help uh, the the call to all of the worlds to come help at Exegol. That maybe Lando literally told the story of uh jedi master luke skywalker maybe lando (laughs) heard it uh from oneo zaya at some point uh probably not since he was on pisana but anyway uh so i like that that spirit's there and i think the word of mouth thing you know there's a great push pull between the fantasy and the reality the sort of practical reality of star wars but i this is part of the reason i like last jedi i think a lot of people see broom boy tamiri blegg as a representation of uh democracy in star wars democracy in force in in Everybody gets to have the power, and I think that's great and valid. But that scene lands with me because it's a, Last Jedi is about do myths have value? Luke is afraid that he became a myth and a legend, that the Jedi became a legend, and then people kind of elevated them and deified them and thought they could do no wrong, and he wanted to take responsibility for his mistakes. And that ending is just saying, yes, myths matter. Yes, you know, stories of noble people who stood up and did the right thing matter and these need to spread and that's how we get hope and and that is so the power of that final moment for me that i really love imagining that mm-hmm. mythic word of mouth spreading through the galaxy like fire mythic word of mouth that sounds like a great mouthwash and a <laughs> part of the fabric of star wars <laughs> there we go go buy my mythic word of mouth mouthwash today <laughs> final question eric tassoni uh, eric says with the sequel trilogy officially behind us now, do you think there should have been three years between the movies as per Star Wars tradition prior to the sale of Disney? Even though I am happy with the final product of all three movies, it makes me wonder what might have been different if there had been more time in between them. That's a really interesting thought. Ken, what, what's your take on that? Uh, great question, Eric. We've had the chance to, to meet Eric in person at uh, a lot of events, and uh, he's, such a, he's such a great chap, and 
thoughtful question here. Yeah, uh, as someone, Eric's like us, hey, loves these movies, man. We, it eats them up. We we enjoy it. Looking back, m- maybe, I don't think, yeah, after Force Awakens now, would have been like, you could release episode eight next week and we'll be all right. Um, things change, not just in Star Wars, uh, it's just fandoms in general, the world. A lot, a lot of things changed. And, and a little space might have worked and and we i can go to solo as even though this is not that's part, not part of the skywalker saga directly but that 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 clearly didn't work <laughs> i can't i can't lie even though i love that movie you mean marketing wise uh, having it marketing too, too close back to back yeah um so yeah so so there's something to be said about a little bit more time but then again i mean that's it's like six years man it, it and it's and believe me, that goes in a blink of an eye, but this modern day, three years, that's a, that's like, that's a lifetime. And to have people go back, all right, remember episode eight, like, here we go again. Like people, you know, that, that that's a different, that's a different uh, span of time than it was in the eighties and, and, and early two thousands. Yeah. Yeah. I think because of the speculation industry that, you know, we have certainly been a part of it's it's three years is a lot more to sort of have ebbs and flows in that rather than just sort of build, 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 build to the next one. Um, selfishly, I'm glad that it was two years because uh, nine wouldn't be out yet. <laughs> and there'd be a lot of confusion about that, right? Exactly. Did I do my math, math right? 2015, 2018? Mm-hmm. We'd be getting it. Uh, we'd be getting it this this winter. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I think. um I think that just creatively, um, JJ allegedly turned down eight, right? Yeah. And, uh, and Ryan allegedly turned down nine (laughs) and, Uh, you know, yeah, flew off, flew to London to accept it and didn't get it, but that's a different story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who knows? But there was, there was a window where he made it, might've been able to just go, sure. Um, so maybe that would have changed because I think bo- both of those creators were like, I just finished one. I can't do another. Yeah. Um, so maybe that would have changed. But maybe. here's my perhaps controversial uh, hot take, maybe lukewarm take, uh, depending on your opinions about temperatures of takes. Um, I don't think any, I think if, if all the same creators were involved in each of the films that they have been involved in as time played out in, in the real world, um, I don't think major creative changes would be different. I think maybe one or two little things might have, you know, synced right. up better. But I feel like all of the major creative choices about what the creators wanted to say, I don't think they would have changed massively. Mm-mm. No, I, I don't. I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree yeah. with that. Oh, by the way, I think my, I think my, I, my next winter we would get episode nine. Right. Sorry. 2021. 20, 20, yeah. 2021. I don't want anyone to correct my math. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't think any more time on nine would have changed what they, like you said, what they wanted to do. Just might have changed some behind the scenes stuff, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll never know. Exactly, exactly. But it is pretty fascinating that the first two trilogies, three years, and in our modern uh, hurry up and get them out to two years, and and we completed a whole trilogy in four years 2015 to 2019 amazing those are all of our questions uh this week thank you eric thank you jeremy thank you jedi scout and toasted zendalorian all great stuff
Great stuff indeed. I love kind of breaking up the show and spending a little more time with some of these questions and diving into the news. Thank you all for joining us on that journey. If you want to follow us or have a question or just join the conversation in general, you can follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Use the hashtag Force Center. Like our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram. Subscribe on YouTube. Podcast is available on Anchor, iHeart uh, Radio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. You can go to tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center for our merch and support us at patreon.com slash Force Center. New patrons are coming in weekly. We appreciate it. We're making plans and news coming on more stuff. We've got our own things we work on here, Joseph. So uh, go ahead and hit me with your bet shot. <laughs> uh, yeah, my best shot is that you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can follow all of my other comedy adventures, uh, comedy albums, and uh, upcoming shows in the future. Hopefully, uh, not hopefully, it will happen. It's just going to be a little while. Uh, all that stuff is on my website at josephscrimshot.com. We've also been plugging uh, some things to stay uh, attached to the real world. A thing that I have been encouraging people to check out is a project called Vote Forward. Their website is votefwd.org. And what it is is you uh, print out some letters and you get some addresses of people who uh, who are, are registered to vote but maybe need a little uh, push to be encouraged to use their power and you uh, print out a letter and write a little handwritten note to personalize it. Uh, all their statistics say it works really well and it's just a great way to encourage people in the spirit of democracy to use the power that they have the way they see fit. That's great. Check that out. Uh, and uh, sorry for me, uh, we go to cadnapsock.com. You can follow me at cadnapsock as well, or uh, my company, Morning Drive Media, has a Twitter page, M Drive Media. And on my website, I'm highlighting a lot of charities on the Charity Spotlight tab. Click on that and check it out. But one uh, right now, kind of recommended uh, by some friends of the show, Donald Long and Thomas Risling. Uh, they uh, are both have recommended Same You, which is a group dedicated to brain injury recovery. And it's championed. And from uh, Amelia Clark, our very own Kira, who suffered, a lot of people maybe not realize, during the early days of Game of Thrones, suffered a... Uh, really uh, bad uh, brain injury and had to recover from that. So scary times. So she's uh, behind Same You. You can donate, fundraise for them, and more by going to uh, their website, which uh, is uh, listed on my website at kennapsock.com. That is it for this week. We'll be back Thursday. Joseph, what are we diving into on Thursday? We are going to have a creature feature. We are going to talk about all the monsters, the beasts, the animals, all of the various uh, animal friends of Star Wars. Ooh, a mighty roar will ring out throughout the galaxy. We'll see you then on Force. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.